Nine of the Cloth Nappy Geek podcast. Today I'm particularly excited that I've been joined by Kijani, who are a Ugandan social enterprise who make cloth nappies and they employ local Ugandan women in order to empower them and enable them to support their own families. It's a really interesting podcast and about how cloth nappies are used in Uganda as well and I really hope that you enjoy this. Hi everyone, I'm Cloth Nappy Geek and today I'm very excited to be joined by Valerie who is the owner of Kinjani, a Uganda nappy brand. Hi Valerie, how are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, so when did you start the brand and why? So I started in 2014. My husband and I, after we got married, we were living in Tanzania and then moved to the US for him to start a graduate program and found out that we were expecting our first child. So we decided to use cloth nappies with her and we, we ordered a bunch of different brands and we just, we really loved them. We loved that they were so cute, that they were saving us money, that they were better for the environment. And uh, when we were expecting our second child a few years later, I had a friend in the U.S. that would make cloth nappies and sell them as a business. So I enjoy sewing as a hobby. So she taught me how to sew the cloth nappies. And so I made a bunch of nappies for my second child. And then when he was five months old, we moved to Uganda. We had gotten a job as the country directors of an international NGO based in the capital city of Uganda. So because he was only five months, I brought all of my extra nappy fabrics with me in case I needed to make him more. And I got so many comments on his nappies in Uganda. And I would also make them for friends as baby gifts. So if we had a friend or a colleague that was expecting, I would sew a nappy for her and then her friends would see them and start placing orders. And so I think with, with all the comments, we realized that there was nothing, there were no modern cloth nappies available in Uganda. But at the same time, disposable diapers are really expensive in Uganda. There's no good way to dispose of them. And so we thought that it could be you know, that there could be a market gap there, that it could be a product that could be really, really well received in Uganda. And then at the same time, a lot of my background is in international development and charity work. And I think I was starting to realize my focus has always been on women and children and starting to realize that oftentimes building the economy job creation is a more effective way to bring long-term impact because you know, you can give scholarships to children, you can give food, but if their parents are making a decent income, they can provide all of that for their children, which is the ideal situation. And so at the same time as we saw kind of this gap in the market, we were also starting to think about using business as a tool to bring social change. And so we saw an opportunity um, to, yeah, introduce a needed product and also as a way to create job for women. So I identified a tailor and taught her how to make the nappies. And then it started off really small uh, in my house. Tailors would come to my house. We started with one and then two and then three. And in the beginning, they would come to my house three days a week and sew all day. And then we would just advertise on Facebook or word of mouth. And if anybody wanted to buy any, they would also come to my house. (laughs) We would put everything out in the sitting room that we had available. So it was very kind of very scrappy and small in those early years. And then with time, we've been able to grow and professionalize a bit and expand the business. 
So you've just launched into the UK and US markets quite recently, haven't you? Which is a big step for you. Yes. So in the US, I'm from the US. And so we've been selling on Etsy kind of since we started, but on a very small scale. And so starting in May was when we really did a more intentional push into the US and UK market by starting to do seasonal collections. And uh, we have one of our products on Amazon in the US. And so we've been a lot more intentional about it in the last year. Although if you go to our Etsy page, it shows that we have been active since 2014. But yeah, it was, it was very small in the US before the last year. Yeah, it's great that you're expanding. It's really good. And um, so I didn't know that you could sew in the, and that was how the brand had come about. That's really interesting. Um, how much has the design of the nappy changed from your sort of first making of nappies to what it is today? It's changed a lot. Um, one of our biggest challenges when we started was getting the right fabrics into Uganda. There's no, the outer waterproof material, it's not available anywhere on the African continent. And so also when I started, I didn't know where to get different materials from. There were a few companies in the US that I knew about. And so probably for about two years, I would test out a different design. I would make a new one, I would try it. My son was still in diapers. Um, I would try it out on him. I would give it to customers, get their feedback. Then we would change the design a bit. We tried different fabrics depending on what was available. When we first started, our absorbent layers were actually secondhand t-shirts because there's so many used clothing markets in Uganda that we would go and buy a big bunch of secondhand t-shirts from the market, cut them up and make them into inserts. And so we tried all different kinds of things. And so our current design for the most part, we've had probably for about four years, but then we just made a recent change this year to make the wraps wipeable. They used to have yeah. a suede cloth lining. And so we decided to change them. So that's the only big change that we've made probably in about four or five years, but it took an initial two years of trial and error to land on the design that we have now. It's a good design. I like it. Um, you're lucky that your son was still in nappies, so you could <laughs> have an yes. like, easy one to test on. <laughs> yes, definitely. It helped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where did the name Kijani come from? So Kijani means green in Swahili. Um, my husband is from Kenya, and we lived in Kenya for several years, and then Tanzania, and then Uganda. And even though Swahili is not widely spoken in Uganda, we wanted a name that would be recognizable regionally because there's also, we're the only cloth nappy company in Uganda. And I don't think there's any in Tanzania. And there's a handful of very small ones in Kenya. And so we were, when we started, we were already thinking of regional expansion, especially into Kenya. And then for me, one of the biggest draws of the cloth nappies is the environmental uh, impact. And so we wanted a name that reflected that. Okay, yeah, it's cute. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so one of the things that really stands out about your brand is the give back that you do. So you employ um, local Ugandan women and you pay fair wages and they have good working conditions. And then your also sort of driver is around making nappies that are affordable and therefore accessible to more families. Um, that's just, it's so different from some other brands who are just about the sales or brands that do a bit of give back, but this feels like it really was the sort of driving factor behind the band for you? Yeah, I think definitely job creation and again, specifically targeting women. I think as a mother myself and then 
I've I spent more than a decade in East Africa and I think meeting so many women that would do anything to support their children and we're working so hard, but unemployment among women in Uganda is 58%. And so there are just so few jobs. And then because there are so few jobs, employers can really exploit their workers. Um, there's no official minimum wage in Uganda and Sometimes workers will go months without getting paid because the business has no money, so they just don't pay. And so it's a really difficult situation for any employee, but especially for low-skilled, of course, tailors are highly skilled in tailoring, but maybe I should say, you know, people without a college education, which is yeah. the majority of people in Uganda. And so we really wanted, yeah, we pay well above the market rate. They generally work Monday through Friday, you know, nine to five. Occasionally they'll work a Saturday if we have a really big order, but they get paid per piece that they produce. So nobody complains when we give them extra hours. <laughs> uh, last year we had uh, three women who gave birth uh, within weeks of each other, two in January and one in March. And so we let them come to work with their babies um, so that, you know, to facilitate bonding and so that they could breastfeed and uh, our shopkeeper had a baby a few years ago, so she brought her son to the shop with her for the first year of his life. So he was a live diaper model for us, but also, <laughs> you know, we, we, we want to create a good environment for women to work where they can um, make a decent income. And we've had, um, we've had some tailors that have been with us from the very beginning. Our lead tailor now was one of the very first tailors that would come to my house. And uh, we really try to create a sense of ownership as well, we celebrate milestones together. We ask for feedback on different things. So we're, we're really trying to create a brand where people feel valued as employees and not just, um, yeah, not just workers who come and get their wage and go home. The fact that you've had staff with you for such a long period of time just speaks volumes for how you must be treating them because, you know, if they're, if they're happy, then they're, they're staying and that's, that's brilliant. Um, right, and it's, and it's good for the business also because we've had some tailors for six years now I think our um I think more than half of them have been with us for more than four years and so they've become extremely skilled at making nappies and so it also helps us because at least in the Ugandan market we're really trying to build a brand based on quality mm -hmm. there's a lot of cheap imports from China available and so there are a few baby boutiques in Uganda that will import cloth nappies from China, but they're usually very bad quality and there's no way we can underprice them. And so we're, instead we're trying to focus on the quality. So having long-term tailors, it's also, it's a benefit to them, but it also benefits us because then we do have the consistent quality. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed the series you've done on social media recently as well, where you've um, put photos up of some of your employees and a little bit about them. It's nice to sort of see the people behind, behind making the nappies. It's that sort of drive, isn't there, within like ethical fashion of like who makes your clothes. So it's nice to just kind of put a face and be like, oh, maybe that lady made my nappy. <laughs> yes, and we, we always show them the text and the picture before we post it to make sure they're okay with it. And so they've also enjoyed getting to see what we write about the different people. And so the staff has also enjoyed getting to see, and several of them follow us on Facebook and Instagram also. So they enjoy getting to see those um, features also. It's lovely. So what is cloth napping like in Uganda? Is it something that is widely done or is it... Um, sort of disposable is more popular. I don't really know anything about that market. So Uganda is an interesting market because there is a growing middle class and 
most of them, there's one big city in Uganda only, which is Kampala, the capital city. And so within the growing middle class, most people use disposable diapers. Um, but it is a significant part of their budget. There's no sales, there's no wholesale clubs, there's no coupons. And so, and because they're imported, the cost is quite a lot. And so a lot of young families, even though they can afford it, it takes up a really big piece of their budget. So we do get a lot of customers that can afford disposables, but they want to save the money to invest it in other things. Um, in the lower income uh, Ugandan families, a lot of people will use maybe more old fashioned nappies like you know towels or white flats with plastic pans or a lot of people just don't use anything or they'll use cloths or they'll just um it's really common to just see babies not wearing any kind of diaper and then they just clean up after them and babies are generally potty trained a lot earlier mm. um though because babies are outside a lot you know there's no wall-to-wall -wall carpeting it's either tile floor or mud floor in lower income families, babies are just left naked. And so usually from about one year and above there, um, they're not in diapers and not having very many accidents. But again, the, the growing middle class would be more similar to the UK where kids might be in diapers until two or three and they're generally in diapers 24 seven. Um, and so the majority are using disposable. And so we have found um, our primary market right now in Uganda is that growing middle class. Um, we try to keep them as affordable as possible, but the materials are really expensive. Um, cloth nappy materials in general are expensive. And then in Uganda, import taxes are 50%. So if we buy fabric for $1,000, we pay another $500 in taxes and then shipping prices from China. So we do try to price them really affordably, but for the lower income families, it is still you know, a pretty significant amount of money. And so mm. we do partner with some NGOs to try to make them more accessible for those lower income families. And that is a goal that we've had from the beginning. And we're always trying to think through how can we create models and create distribution where we can make these more accessible because most families hand wash. Again, it's, it's, it's really two different economies. In the growing middle class, there are a lot of people with washing machines but for the lower income people hand wash. And so they really need very few diapers um, because especially now that the, the uh, wraps are wipeable, yep. you know, as they're hand washing, usually they'll wash as soon as they take it off the baby. So you figure they need, you know, two, two wraps and maybe four inserts. And that could even be enough for having a baby full-time in nappies. And so yeah, we're, we're trying to figure out different ways that we can make that accessible to all income levels in Uganda. And then, um, yeah, I think those are some of the main main differences in how it works in Uganda. So there was a fact I found on your website um, a few weeks ago about the cost of disposables for low-income families. And I think it was something like the average low-income Ugandan family wage annually is $600. Mm -hmm. But to keep a, a baby in three nappies, three disposable nappies a day would be $300 a year, which is a huge sum of money. <laughs> right. Which is why, you know, outside of that growing middle class, it's just that it's not affordable. And uh, one of our partner organizations had done a study a few years ago and found that in rural families, on average, they buy seven diapers a week. And it's interesting because in the markets, especially markets that target more lower income communities, they'll sell disposable diapers one by one. So 
it's about 20 pence per diaper. So you can buy an individual disposable diaper for 20 pence. So that's what families usually do is they'll buy, you know, one diaper at a time. And so most of the time it's only for, for lower income rural families, it might only be at night. So mm -hmm. during the day, the baby is playing outside. They're not wearing anything, uh, you know, well, they're wearing clothes, but they're not wearing any diaper. Um, and then they'll put a diaper on at night, or maybe if they're going to the market or the church or the mosque, they'll put, you know, a diaper on, but generally in lower income families, baby, it would be really unusual to find a baby in a diaper 24 hours a day. And so but yeah, if you look at the cost of that, it's just, it's, it's completely impossible if you're making yeah. $600 a year to spend a half to a third of your income on disposable diapers. It's just not, it's not possible. No, I couldn't imagine spending half of my income on nappies. That would yes. be <laughs> utterly ridiculous. And then yes. if you have more than one child, that's it. You've, you've had it. You're not eating. <laughs> right. Exactly. So with the middle classes, the driver seems to be more around cost saving than an environmental awareness to, with their move towards cloth nappies. Definitely. That's uh, among our customers in Uganda. That's definitely the number one overwhelmingly um, prominent reason why people want to use washable nappies is because of the cost savings. Um, there is definitely some environmental awareness as well, but it's secondary and then also health concerns of um, there are some, again, there are a lot of cheap imports from China that are available. So there have been some pretty cheap disposable diaper brands that are imported and sometimes they're not well-regulated. So there have been cases where some of these really cheap disposable diapers will cause rashes or they just smell really strongly. So there are customers that are concerned about the health effects of the disposable diapers, but definitely cost saving. And it's interesting because in Uganda, there's there are some garbage disposal companies now, again, for the middle class in urban areas, but it doesn't, it's probably services a very small percentage of the population. So most people burn their rubbish, but disposable nappies are actually flame retardants. They don't burn. And right. so they end up just kind of half, half burning. So we did have one customer that when my sales associate went to deliver her order, she showed her, she had this huge pile of charred nappies in her garden that she couldn't figure out how to get rid of because they don't burn. And so, yeah, well, that's not as much of a reason that people choose them as financial reasons. There is a big environmental impact of disposable diapers, especially in a country where there's not a good waste disposal system. Yeah, definitely makes you more aware of the waste that you create as a household if you've the one that's going to have to do something with it as well. Yes, definitely. It's interesting that they, um, the, I mean, I don't judge anyone for their reason to choose cloth nappies. For me, the um, sort of initial reason was environmental. Now it's probably more to do with the lack of chemicals in my baby. But it's interesting that the primary motivation is cost. Mm -hmm. It's very different from the UK. I think environmental concerns is, tends to be the reason why, why people make the switch over here. Yeah, I think in general, there's not as much environmental awareness in Uganda. Um, and it's more... Um, and I mean, I think in general, Ugandans are extremely resourceful, like they don't consume like we do. Yeah. <laughs> um, at least I'm from the US, so they don't consume like we do in the US. They'll typically reuse things. And so the environmental impact of an individual family in Uganda is far less than mm -hmm. what it is in the US. And so I think that's some of the reason why there's not as much environmental awareness, because there's just not as much damage being done by individual households as there is in countries like the US where I'm from.
Yeah. Well, you're resourceful too, making nappies out of old t-shirts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so what is the inspiration behind your prints? They're quite different to um, other nappies on the market, I, f- I find. Um, you sort of stuck with the African heritage a little bit. Yes. So there are a lot of different African fabrics available in downtown fabric markets in Uganda. They call them Kitenge prints. And they're very bright, colorful, and they're very, it's very common to see, especially women's dresses made out of them, different kinds of crafts, uh, children's clothing. And so I think we wanted to find a way to make diapers with the Kitenge fabric. And uh, so, and the other interesting thing is that the fabrics are always changing. So you can go to the fabric market today and find a print that you love and it can be really popular. And then you go back in a month and it's completely gone and you can't find it anywhere. And we have gone <laughs> all over downtown looking for some prints when we've run out. And so it's also, there's always new designs available. And uh, so we we figured out um, because the Kitenge fabric is, is just, uh, they have polyester and cotton, but polyester usually works a bit better for diapers. And so we do uh, leg strips around the legs with the waterproof fabric, because a lot of times when nappies are made with another fabric on the outside, that's not the waterproof fabric, it can cause, um, it can cause leaking because a little bit will get wet and then it will spread throughout the whole outside of the diaper. So we found that putting the leg strips prevents that from happening. So we were able to make diapers with the locally available fabrics. But it's really interesting because in Uganda, most of our customers prefer the prints that we import with <laughs> animals or flowers. And uh, I think there's a bit of status attached to things that look imported. And so we found that the Arkitenge prints are really popular in the export market and with expatriates living in Uganda. And so starting with our fall collection, we decided, no, starting with was it our, yeah, starting with our fall collection, we decided to also start designing our own prints that uh, would be printed. So we make, you know, digital seamless patterns and we have them printed onto the nappies because we thought it would be fun. We do seasonal collections now in the US and UK, but we thought it would be fun to have some of the element in Uganda too. And so we've been doing launches in Uganda with the, the regular prints. And then when we do launches in the US and UK, we do both the Kitenge and the regular prints. And so we've not done so many of the regular prints yet, but we always try to have at least one that has some sort of relation to Uganda or Africa. We always try to have at least one that has some sort of relation to the season that we're releasing it in. And so we usually get feedback from different people as we're trying to figure out what uh, what prints to do. It's really interesting. Um... Yeah, it must be so much fun going down to the markets and being able to see the fabrics and and touch them and choose them for yourself rather than I think a lot of a lot of companies are stuck looking at little samples and swatches online, which um, you never quite get the feel for the colours in the same way. Yes, definitely. And the fabric markets downtown are, I mean, it's it's uh, typical market shopping where there's just so many small vendors and there's yeah. so many people around and there's so many options. And so it's definitely a very unique experience, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely fun to get to go and see all the different prints and, and select them ourselves. Yeah. Quite a sensory overload, aren't they? The, the markets and the souks and stuff. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is your most favorite print you've ever done? So I think in terms of Kitenge, I loved the Autumn Dreams from our fall collection. Yeah. Um, it was an orangish print with, it looked like leaves. And um, I just thought it was a really gorgeous print. And 
my favorite of the prints that we're doing is one of our spring collection prints that we will be releasing and to not give too much away uh it's it's a moon print but with an african twist and i think it's my favorite of the uh the prints that we've put out so far okay yeah i saw that when you sent it through to me um a couple yes. of days ago yeah it's really pretty <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what's next for your brand? Um, obviously, you've got your spring collection coming. Um, where do you see, your, see the brand going? So I think we, um, we're looking at, of course, two different markets from the Ugandan side. We want to, uh, we, we actually, we have our retail shop in Uganda, and then we also sell through supermarkets. So we're in several different supermarkets in the capital city. And then, as I said, we partner with uh, some NGOs to help make them accessible and affordable. So I think continuing to look at how can we make these more accessible for Ugandan families. And then also we've been moving, uh, having some partners in Kenya, which is neighbor to Uganda. And so I think we're also looking at expanding into the Kenyan market. And then in terms of the US and UK, I think right now, since we're new in the market, we're just trying to get our brand known. Uh, we're continuing to do the seasonal releases. So we'll have our spring collection released on February 15th. So we've started working on that in the workshop. We also have uh, overnight pull-ups for ages two to six, which is one of our, which is our best-selling product in the US. And so I think, um, yeah, just looking at how we can get the word out more about, uh, about our brand. Another thing that I would really love to do um, this was inspired by one of our women in April tragically lost her husband. She's a mother to six. Wow. So her youngest baby is one of the ones that was born last year. So her youngest baby is one and a half. And then she has a son who's just started university. And the biggest challenge for most Ugandan families is school fees. There are, there is free government primary school, but they're overcrowded, um, the quality of education is not very good. And even in the free schools, people have to buy uniforms. There's, there's still some fees that they have to pay. And so a lot of families choose to send their kids to private schools. And so even for families that have decent jobs, even for middle-class, even for upper-class families, school fees is probably the biggest, you know, the biggest expense most families are facing in a year. And uh, certainly when, uh, and her husband was really engaged with the kids, uh, he had a steady job, so he helped support the children and the school fees, and school fees are definitely her biggest concern, is how is she going to educate these six kids, and especially in Uganda, where unemployment rates are so high, most parents see education as the way for their kids to, to create a better life and to have a better life than what they had, and so um, I would really like to set up like a scholarship fund for our employees where we set some of our profits you know, if we release the spring collection. And of course, in the US and UK market, we're able to have a little more margin. In Uganda, we sell them with a really low margin to try to keep them affordable. Mm. So one of the things I want to do as our brand grows in the US and UK is if we can use a percentage of our sales to start building up a scholarship fund so that we can have, you know, if you have a child in nursery, you get this much every term. If you have a child in primary, you get this much every term just to, to make that school fee time a little bit easier for our women. So that's something that, um, of course, as a small business, some months, we still breathe a sigh of relief when we meet payroll. Yeah. <laughs> so it is something that I'm hoping as we grow, that is something that I want to start using some of our, um, some of our revenues to, to channel into a scholarship fund to, to help with that. Your passion behind this is just incredible. And 
you know trying to to help these women and to help the the next generation their children like it's amazing thank you it's interesting because we started so small like some of the women when they would come and so from my house they would bring their kids with them because <laughs> if they were on school holiday they had nothing to do with them and so their kids would play with Mike and so I feel like the newer employees, I don't know as well, but some of our long-term employees, I know them very well. I know their children. I know their families. And so it does definitely add an extra level of motivation that it's not just a business to grow for the sake of the business, but they're real people who depend on, you know, who depend on the income. And it's not so easy for them to find something else if we were to, you know, if we were to close down or not be able to continue. So it definitely does add a lot of motivation to keep things going. Yeah, and some pressure maybe as well for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's interesting that you're sold in supermarkets as well in Uganda because in the UK, um, there's only one or two brands I know of that are sold in supermarkets. And even then they're kind of shoved down the baby aisle, not really promoted by by anyone. Um, So it's good that they're more accessible. Yeah, and there's not the huge chains of supermarkets either. Like the biggest supermarket we sell in has four branches in Kampala. And so I think it's much easier because it's pretty much independently owned supermarkets. And so, right. uh, and they, they sell on consignment. So it's very little risk to them. So a lot of them agree, sure, let us put them on the shelves and see if they sell. Um, and so I think working with much smaller, smaller supermarkets and not these big chains that there are in the US and UK, it's a bit easier to get on the shelves. Yeah, definitely. So I think in the UK, you have to stump up an awful lot of money just for the privilege of them stocking your product, which just makes it impossible for for so many brands because every cloth brand is a small company, really, compared to some right. of these others. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I think even most supermarkets here, you know, have 30, 60, 90 day payment terms. So if they want 2000 nappies to put on their shelves, you have to fund and probably 2000 is even a really small number with the size of supermarkets. It'd probably be more like maybe 10,000. And then you have to find a way to fund that 10,000 nappies before you get paid anything. Yeah. That's just, it's not really workable, is it? (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) Maybe one day. Yes. (laughs) As opposed to our supermarkets in Uganda will buy like 10, 20. And so it's very easy for us to give them 10, 20 diapers without getting any payments. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time today, Valerie. It was really interesting hearing more about the brand and how you're doing so much work to support women and the growth of the economy in Uganda and and upskilling and all that kind of stuff. It's really fascinating. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this. Please remember to subscribe to my channel and leave a review. And if you know someone else that would find this content really interesting, then please feel free to share it with them as well.